You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices. Loyalty's my favorite characteristic of God, but finding it in it is hard. It's like trying to find God. You're the only one in your camp with cheese. You pay for everything they eat. Man, that insecurity is deep. Now I ain't said no names. These are just theories if you hear me, baby. It's home. You must admit it's kind of eerie, baby. Like them chemtrails in the sky. Welcome, everybody. Grand Rising and good morning to all of y'all out there. Welcome to the day with Trey. I am your host, Trey Holiday, and we definitely have a jam-packed show for you today. Day. We're going to try to get it all in. We may go a little bit over because we want to give some things the time that they are due. But of course, I get to tap in first up with Julia Jesse from Clapback Culture. Our Clapback Culture queen will be telling us a little bit about what you can expect tonight on Clapback Culture. And then I'm going to be following up with Cesar Canizales. He already gave us some insight last week on the inquest in Charlena Lau's murder uh, from the police, the shooting from them, the killing. We're going to be hearing from him about the the final verdict. And last up, we got another Haru Hill segment. So we're going to be ending the show with some ways that you can heal yourself. We're going to be diving in more to the high fives. Of course, I want to thank all of you guys for joining us today. This is a great time because it's the top of the show, y'all. So it's a great time to tag and share the stream. Go ahead and tag and share this stream with folks that you feel could benefit from a daily dose of dopeness right here on The Day with Trey. Also, got to remind you, if you cannot watch our TV shows right here at Converge Media, you can also find them anywhere you find your favorite podcast. Just search Converge Media Network. We're on Google, Spotify, iTunes, you name it. So pick your favorite one. You'll find us there. I want to give a huge shout out to our listeners, those who are utilizing the podcast platform. We appreciate you. And I got to say, we're hearing that people from all over the world are listening to us. So I'm so elated to know that this information that we're giving all of the shows that we provide, you know, we keep it going with how black media matters right here in the Black Media Matters studios. So we appreciate all of our listeners out there. And of course, always appreciate you who are watching. All right. First up, we're going to keep it kind of brief because Cesar has some amazing insight that he's going to be giving us. And honestly, this is another example of why it's on all of us to hold police accountable. But first up, I get to talk to my girl, Julia, Jesse. She's not here. Okay. She said her, her stuff was a little bit spotty today. So thank you, Salman. Jules, it's all right. No worries. Oh, there it is. There it is. Okay, live TV, y'all. Um, thank you so much, Jules, for making it work. We'll keep it brief. How are you, sister? Hey, girl. Listen, I'm out at a community event, but I could not resist coming on the show today, Trey. So I hope you can hear me. Can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you well. Thank you so much Excellent. for joining us while you're out and about. Listen, the show is going to be so good tonight. I had to come in and talk to you guys about what to expect on Clapback Holder tonight at 7 p.m. Girl, did you hear about Senator Tasha Mack from Rhode Island? She came through with a twerk video getting people to vote for her. And there's a lot of controversy about it because people want to know, you know, what is she going to do? You know, um, she's a black queer woman. She has a lot of really good legislation, but people are pushing back, saying that they don't like it and they think it's disrespectful to black women. 
Well, this is one of those things where it's like, look, you got to give it up for people who are trying to be innovative. I mean, I'm not sure that I agree with the tactic, but at the same time, it's hard to sit there and say, you know what? We're not going to listen to anything else you may have on your ballot or on the on your platform because you're out here twerking. She may actually be ready to do some real good, which is why she's running. Of course, we always want to hear about those details, Jules. So, I mean, I see why people are kind of saying that, but I also think we got to give her a chance to at least explain what she's going to be going for. So I don't know, Jules, what else you guys got tonight? Well, we're also going to be talking about Nipsey Hussle um, and that murder trial. Um, Eric Holder was actually found guilty of first-degree murder. So we're going to talk about that. And of course, we have got to shed some light on the uproar that is, um, you know, following the Akron Police Department after they released the, uh, the body camera footage um, in the shooting related to the police shooter relating death uh, with Jalen Walker. And I don't know about you, sis, but if you saw it, it's like a firing spot. And so we have to do more to protect our black men um, as it relates to their interactions with the police. This is another unarmed black man um, in, you know, and uh, killed over 60 shots um, and up to 100 shots. And so the family is outraged. They're heartbroken. The community is heartbroken and outraged. They uh, stopped all of the Fourth of July festivities um, there in Akron. And, you know, the people are turning up as they very well should. And so we're going to shed some light on some of those details. I mean, one of the details that came out yesterday is that after he was shot over 60 times by eight different officers, he was still handcuffed and then put into a police car where um, the police department made a statement saying that they were on their way to take him to the hospital before EMT arrived. So there's so many crazy details in this. Um, and I got to talk about it with my audience tonight, 7 p.m. on Clapback Culture. Oh, Jules, thank you so much for shining a light on that case. This is something that I know is hitting the airwaves. It's all over social media. I mean, the minute that you hear that headline, you know, somebody shot over 60 times immediately. I, we're like, wait, is that real? Is this true? Like there's so much there. So I'm so glad you're diving into that, Jules. And you're leading us into our next guest uh, right here because we got to keep talking about how we on the people, how it's on us to hold our police uh, departments accountable across this nation because we see you know, uh, cases like this and like Charlene allows, unfortunately, they get away with way too much, Jules. So thank you so much. Tonight, 7 p.m. right here on Converge Media. My girl, Jules, is going to be giving you guys all the clapback details. Thank you so much, Jules. We love you and we'll see you tonight at 7. Thanks for having me, girl. Have a great show. Thank you. Oh, my gosh. Okay, that leads us right here to Cesar Carnazales. This is a local case, Cesar. We've been on this with Charlene Allows. Thank you again for joining me to give us some of the final details about this inquest. I'll let you take it away here. But I, I, I got to say, Cesar, this is one of those things where a lot of people in community are not surprised. That's right. Um, as you know, the jury yesterday, the inquest found that the two police officers who shot and killed um, Charlena Lyles back in 2017 were justified in their actions. They shot her seven times, three of those in the back. Uh, the jury had to answer 123 questions. One of them, interestingly, was about the taser. They found that the one, the one police officer was out of policy for not having it on him. He said he didn't have it because it was out of battery, so he left it at the station. Um, however, the jury found that even if he had the taser, it wouldn't have been effective. So they had to shoot her seven times. That's what the jury found. Um, you know, Ch uh, Charlena Lyle's father was at uh, 
at the hearing uh, to hear the jury, so as the, some of our family uh, to hear the final uh, conclusions from the jury. Um, Charles Lyles, you know, he doesn't blame the jury. I mean, the, he said their, their hands were tied and they had no choice, but to just, he said like that the system gave them the questions that they needed to answer. Here, take a listen to what he had to say. But I was hoping that they could at least be accountable for the actions that they did, you know? And the jury, I don't blame the jury, their hands was tied. They had certain questions and the question that was asked to them wasn't fair, you know? And, and they, you know, they killed her for nothing. Now they get away with it, scot-free. Yeah, so he was visibly shaken when the, after, after the jury, after the administrator actually uh, read the jury's findings, he, uh, Charles Lyles, cussed at the police. Um, you know, he used the F word. I didn't want to use that clip just because it doesn't do anybody any good to show that. But I just wanted to give you a sense of what he was feeling at the time hearing this, that they were justified in killing her. A mother of four, as you know, three of those, ch those children were in the apartment with her. Uh, one of the officers testified last week that a toddler went over to his mom after she had been shot and was lying on her. He picked her, picked the toddler up and, you know, it was just a very tragic. So, you know, Charles Lyle, uh, he was very, very, very sad. Uh, so he had an outburst in, in the hearing room here and take a listen to what he had to say about that. They would have did their job. She still would have been living. And I'm just so hurt because I don't have a daughter. Oh, it's just so sad. And my grandkids don't have a mother. And then they didn't get no justice in this at this inquest. The police looking. That's why I, that's why I said what I said. I didn't mean to blurt out of court, but I was just so angry. You know, and the only thing I can say to them is F them. You know, I'm not that type of person, but that's the only thing I could could say because they killed my daughter and we got to go. We got to keep going on. Mm. You know, the family doesn't think that uh, justice was done in this case. You know, Charles, Charles Lyles talked a little more about that. Uh, take a listen to this clip. The whole thing was, was, uh, was a travesty of justice, I think, you know, because she didn't deserve to die that day, but she's gone. And I've been grieving for five years now, and, and this brought it all back up, you know, mm. so I'm just sorry. You know, but I needed to be here. And Katrina Johnson, she's been the uh, spokesperson for the family. Uh, she's been at every hearing. She is going to keep fighting uh, to find justice, to get justice. She wants accountability for the police. Uh, so she's not going to stop. Here's what she had to say after the hearing. It's to be expected, considering what the laws were back in 2017. Um, this was really a fact-finding investigation. Um, it doesn't um, by any way mean that we're done as a family fighting for justice for Charlena. It just means that we have to continue the fight. Um, these kind of outcomes have been notorious throughout the country. I mean, it's... It, it, it takes a lot for an officer to get um, held uh, liable for when, and normally they're justified and when they take a life. Um, and so I, I wasn't expecting um, it. I was hopeful that maybe it would, but this is what I expected. 
Wow. I mean, Caesar, this right here for me is, you know, there's something very different about the way that the justice system or injustice system, as many call it, works or does not work versus the, uh, the the public perception. Right. And, you know, we talked about this last week when we were talking about this inquest, how there are other comparable cases where the police use other forms of restraint. Right. And the idea that in this case they had no choice is what the, the term here. They had no choice but to use lethal force. That is really hard for the public to understand. I mean, even for somebody who watched the entire inquest, you know, understood all of the questions that the jury was asked. It still feels like the system is rigged against the public in cases like this, Caesar. Yeah, and that's something that uh, Karen Kohler, uh, the family's lawyer, put out in a put out a statement uh, saying, you know, that the jury's hands were tied. The questions were uh, made up by the by the system, you know. So they they had to answer those questions, yes or no. Some of those were not unanimous, but the final, the the important question was about whether the shooting was justified, and that they all agreed that it was justified. Um, it's, it's hard, hard to understand that. Um, you know, you look at other cases around the country, uh, where white shooters, you know, we just saw the one on July 4th, uh, a white shooter who killed seven people and wounded so many others. He was taken into custody, you know, without incident, uh, so many other, other shooters like that, the one in Buffalo, the same thing, um, taken in, arrested. Uh, but here you have a five foot three woman, 95, maybe a hundred pounds, uh, with a knife and she's shot seven times. So it's, it's hard to understand. Um, I sent an inquiry to the King County prosecutor to see if there's going to be anything else. I haven't heard back from them. Um, I can give you an update on that later on if you'd like, but I, I haven't heard anything yet. Yeah, this right here is it's a it's a gut wrench, I think, for many in community. Um, But I also think Katrina is absolutely right there. I think a lot of us were thinking the system doesn't work really for us in black community in, in particular. And the idea that this is to be expected, as she said there, I think a lot of people were like, man, you know, they're going to let those officers off no matter what. And yet public perception is still what it is in terms of how wrong this was and how wrong it played out. You're talking about the fact that, you know, there's a lot of different conversations that happen around these topics. You know, one is how do our police get better training? Right. So that they understand how to de-escalate a situation like that, particularly when there are children on the scene. You know, if there are young children there, how else can you utilize some other tactics to ensure that Charlena gets the help that she needs? If she called again for a burglary, the fact that she called the officers to her home, that's another piece of this that I think sometimes is missing in all this. But Caesar, this is one of those things that, um, you know, I know that many in our community, our hearts go out to the Lyles family, number one. Uh, number two, this is another example of why it's on all of us to continue to hold our police departments accountable. You heard even from Jules there, there's another situation here. I mean, you're talking about somebody who got shot six 
60 times and then got handcuffed after that. It's just there's so much in terms of anti-blackness that is embedded in the system. This is why many say the system will never really work for black people the way that it is. So how do we restructure it so that it is equitable for all people? This case right here is just it's a it's a tough one, but it's one that I think many of us meant we you know we we don't believe in this system. And these are examples of why Caesar. I thank you for being there and I thank you for you know getting those clips so we could hear from Charles Lyles and hear from Katrina Johnson, you know, uh two family members, obviously the father and cousin of Charlena. This is something that we're gonna carry with us and our hearts go out to the, the Lyles family, but also Anything we can do here at Converge for them to keep this case uplifted. We will continue to say her name, Charlena Lyles. Thank you so much, Caesar. Thank you, Trey. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. You guys, that's a tough one right there. But we're going to talk a little bit after this short break about some healing. Always want to bring the energy back up for all of you out there. This is something that I want to tell you. Look, Haru Chayez, our man, he's going to be joining us right after this short break. We're going to be diving into more of the high five system. We heard about it last uh, two weeks ago. So we're going to hear a little bit more about how you can utilize these things to heal yourself. Stay tuned after this short break. You're watching The Day with Trey. What up, y'all? It's T-Dub. I'm here at Converge Media to let you know about my new venture, The Resole. We are introducing Seattle's first dry cleaner for sneakers, and we want you you to be a part of it. Head over to www.theresole206.com this Juneteenth weekend for our official website launch. Hey guys, Vesa Gordon here. Just so you know, Friends of Waterfront's blog party is back this year. And of course, myself and G Prez will be back hosting the full on live stream on Converge in case you can't be there. Look, it literally all goes down this Saturday at Pier 62. And not only will myself and G Prez be there, you know my girl Trey Holiday is going to be on the stage emceeing the entire event. You don't want to miss it. Just like last year, there will be food, there will be games, there will be music, there will be performances, and there will also be some dancing. So look, make sure you pull up to Pier 62 this Saturday, 4 p.m. to 8 p.m. We will see you there. And of course, I do have to make sure I give an amazing shout out to our sponsor of this year's Friends of Waterfront blog party, which happens to be Stanley. So again, I'll see you guys this Saturday and make sure you wear something cute. That way we can take some photos. Welcome back, everybody, to The Day with Trey. I'm your host, Trey Holiday, And joining me right now is Haru Chayez Amen. We got another Haru Hill segment. Y'all, what's up, Haru? What's up, Trey? It's so good to see you again. Yeah, thank you so much for coming down here again. And these segments are so needed. Clearly, as you could hear there in the previous segment with Caesar, you know, we got a lot of families in our community who need these healing metrics. Um, just, you know, reaction from you as you hear about that verdict. You know, many people in community go, I, I expected this. But what are some of the things that you are taking in and thinking about how we can utilize these healing metrics to make sure our families get the healing they need? Yeah, definitely. Um, it's, it's heart wrenching. You know, to, to know that these struggles continue, that we continue to have these interactions with police um, that are detrimental to our, our very bodies. Um, so we we have to really take some time to to heal ourselves, heal our minds, heal our hearts, heal our spirits, restore our oneness with each other, with community, rebuild what's been kind of torn apart throughout our communities um, so that we don't need these types of interactions, perhaps if we heal ourselves enough, we don't need to interact with police or we can work on finding a solution to deal with these issues um, so that we can minimize the impact to our, our people. 
Yeah, yeah. This is something that I think is also being worked on in community because a lot of folks are going, well, how do we utilize, you know, community metrics to, you know, respond to cases like this? How do we set up something outside of this brute police force so that we can, you know, take care of each other, you know, care for one another? There's a lot of great things out there that that's what excites me because I'm like, yeah, maybe we just need to rebuild a system, create a system of our own. Right. Um, And I think sometimes, you know, I always get inspired by, you know, the roaring towns of the 20s. I say it all the time, but it's like there was other things that were happening in ways that people were keeping communities safe. And we need to get back to some of that. But you're here to dive into some other elements of the high fives. I think last uh, time you were here, we talked about some elements of high five. And now we're going to be talking about principles. Is that right? Right. Last week or two weeks ago, we talked about the gateways to the heart. Um, this week, we're going to be talking about the treasures that the gateways lead to. So we're talking about today, health, happiness, well-being, growth, and contribution, right? So we, we had that conversation at the beginning of our, of our conversation around our communities. Um, ultimately, we want to be able to give back. So we have to do work internally to heal ourselves to get there. Yeah. So, I mean, what is the first one of these that we can dive into today? Because, you know, this kind of information, you know, we have to peel it back for folks, make it tangible for them. What's the first one that we can talk about? The first thing is health, right? Um, health from a perspective of of, of three points. Um, first is Jing. Jing is Jing is your your body, your physical being. We have to make sure that we take care of our physical being um, from a holistic standpoint, not just from one avenue, not just from a physical health means, but from a spiritual health means, a mental health means, um, emotional health as well. So we really have to spend some time to to recondition it. Um, some of the issues that we have with health is that we're always trying to deal with our health from an external practice, but we have to start working on um, healing our life force from within. Um, a couple of other points around health is that we have to work on our chi. You know, we we practice qigong and renzu. Um, we really focus on building chi, and chi is is really kind of divided into three aspects as well. We're focusing on the understanding that we have to have enough life force and enough chi, enough energy to accomplish the tasks that we want to do um, during the day. We have to make sure that our chi is flowing freely through our bodies as well, so we have balance and homeostasis. If our chi is imbalanced, if we have low chi, we're going to start seeing emotional discomfort in responses to situations. And then we got to work on our self-image, our shin. Um, that aspect is really how we see ourselves, how we communicate with ourselves, how we how we express ourselves to the world. We have to balance those three aspects of our being in order to be healthy internally. Um, so if we can establish health and really have a foundation for health within ourselves, now we can start doing things um, externally to, to take that health outside of us. Yeah, well, this is really important, I think, because a lot of folks think, oh, you mean I need to eat my greens? You know, I need to like, okay, calm my mind. But there's some surface level things there that are true. But you're talking about something that I think is uh, really new for a lot of people in our community around the internal parts of health and well-being. Thank you for mentioning that. And, And I've said it before, but as a practitioner of Qigong, I can feel the difference, right, of just being able to uh, ensure that my inside is correct. I mean, we're talking about really bringing energy to our organ systems and things like that. It'll help, you know, move things along in the right way, right? Like that's that's a part of it. Uh, I, I really appreciate you mentioning that. What is the second piece that people can really take in? The second piece is really focused on happiness. Um, that's another thing that we normally seek external means to be happy. We're not talking about happiness from a, a joyful 
uh, perspective. We're talking about happiness from an internal perspective. Again, we're not talking about happiness. Like if I go on this trip or this vacation, I'll be happy. If I, you know, meet the perfect person, I'll be happy. Or if I buy the perfect home or find the perfect job, I'll be happy. We're really talking about a place of contentment, of understanding that your true nature is peace and really enjoying your true nature of peace. A lot of times when we look at happiness from an external perspective, we, we go out and try to find these external solutions in order to, to, to establish happiness. But when those solutions fail or they disappear or they're gone, like the relationship breaks down or the trip is over, we return back to this kind of blase you know, mindset and, and return to that melancholy. And so we move from pleasure then to pain. We're hurting now. We have to go out and find some more, um, some more excitement, right? So-called happiness. And so that can lead to some very dysfunctional patterns. So we like to move from peace to pleasure, understanding that we enjoy our true nature of peace. And, and when we don't have the external things, we can be calm, be peaceful and find solutions to our problems um, very successfully. And then when we get those things, we can really enjoy them and have excitement about them and find pleasure in them. And so we're moving more on an even kill and we're not moving on that roller coaster ride. Yeah, that is really important for many of us. Uh, I think for everyone, you know, the idea of from peace to pleasure. So like if you don't have the things that you think are going to make you happy or, you know, give you that pleasure, you still maintain that sense of peace. Right. So you're never really dropping from peace. I really appreciate that. And I know for me, I've had to do some work personally on lifting my joy because I'm just so busy all the time and on the go. Even my family is like, you know, what, what do you do for yourself? And I'm like, hey, spiritual work, because that's my first answer every time, because I, I do a lot out here in community, but a lot of it is work, right? Because life is work for me. So I really have to find and maintain that balance, that harmony that you just spoke of. All right. Third point. What can people get from the third point here? Well-being. Right. We're, we have to really establish well-being and that that is now the enjoyment of the two um, first principles. We have health established. We have happiness established. We can now enjoy it. Right. And build upon it. We have that well-being, that sense of goodness, that sense of gratitude. And we can start moving around. We start seeing what we talked about a, a few weeks ago. We start seeing the trust take hold. We start seeing the openness kind of flourish. We start seeing the love, you know, manifest in our lives and we can be grateful and grat um, have gratitude and we can have Gong Jing that we talked about respect for all things. When we get into that state of well-being, now we can start springboarding into our true growth and development and move more into, you know, that understanding of how we can contribute back to our community. Mm -hmm. So we have to establish those first three principles in order to move to the highest principles of growth and, and contribution. Man, well-being seems like it's completely holistic, honestly. And, uh, you know, uh, we, we utilize that term oftentimes not really understanding the factors of it, right? The elements of it and how to attain that. So I appreciate you even mentioning that because honestly, you know, people will say, well, oh, no, I'm good. Oh, I, I'm doing well. I say it all the time. Oh, I'm well, you know, I'm well. But what does it really mean? And am I well, you know, and sometimes not enough of us really take account to how we are responding to those questions. We don't respond to them always truthful. That's that's honest. Right. Because because we want to keep it like real, you know, even kill real, you know, like, cool. If I start telling you, oh, man, you know, I'm going through it right now, you know, then. It, it, the whole conversation takes a toll and it goes down a whole other rabbit hole. So oftentimes we're just trying to make sure that we're, you know, keeping it kind of, you know, surface level. But I, I, you know, I think it is important for us to understand those first two principles and how they fill into the third one. So now you're talking about some of the higher principles here. What is the fourth one? Oh, the fourth one is growth. 
Um, if we have happiness, if we have health, if we have well-being, we can start to develop. We can start to learn how our bodies respond. We can start to learn new techniques to transcend our stressors, right? We can we can start to begin to find solutions to our, our situations between our family, our, our situations at work, our situations in our community. We can start to see those as we grow, right? We're growing and we're developing and we're evolving more as a, as a being that we were created to be. Like we talked about this before, that we are created in the image of a peace that's unshakable. If we can return to that understanding of peace and that true identification with the self-image, now we can begin to really find solutions that are long lasting. Our people built civilizations that lasted over 3,500 years based on these principles, really understanding who they were and that oneness with each other and, and, and building civilizations that supported these principles and ideas. Wow. All right. Now that's that's getting into the next level right there, Haru, because honestly, you know, uh, we talk about growth from a, a lot of different perspectives, but oftentimes in Western societies, it is about our careers. You know, once we become adults, I mean, as as young folks, you know, it's your your education. Right. It's like, oh, man, you went from a C to an A in that class. Whoa. What growth you experienced. Right. So we have these um, kind of more westernized ideals about how we understand growth and not enough of it is again what you're talking about with all of these principles is the difference between the external versus the internal we don't talk enough about the internal and we don't teach it to our kids enough right but you're talking about the fact that ancient civilizations have done that they knew how to how to incorporate that into society to society into society's well-being right so there was this constant connection of spiritual work and growth and development to be able to have the societies that we did back then. I think many of us would agree there is a need for these same principles to come about right now. I mean, especially with the way the world is uh, today. So these are all very, very measurable things and things that people can be doing leads us into the fifth one. What is that? Yeah, with the world in crisis, like we know it is, it's important that we understand that our holistic journey, our healthful journey back to our true nature is not alone. We're not in a bubble, not in a vacuum. We have to give back. And so that last principle is really the principle of contribution. How are we going to reinvest our health back into our community? How are we going to uplift those around us that are in our destiny, what we call our destiny path, the people that we interact with on a daily basis, on the people that look like us, think like us, or don't think like us, the people that are hurting, right, around our country country, around our communities, we have to be able to contribute and give back, but we have to be establish some modicum of health right before we can do that. Otherwise, I'm taking this brokenness, this anger, this frustration back into my community and pouring it out. And you see that in the violence that that transpires across our, our nation. So it's important for us to heal ourselves so we can help others. And that really is the principle of Renzu. And I say it all the time, help yourself, heal yourself, uplift yourself so that you can heal, uplift and take care of other people. So we have to contribute. We got to pour back. We're not complete until we start doing that. Um, once we master health, we have to teach health. Once we master health, we have to teach health. That should be on a T-shirt. <laughs> well, you know, um, I agree uh, wholeheartedly because I, you know, practice these things, but also I realize, you know, when I think about my family, oftentimes I'm saying to myself, you know, for family and community, you, you know, you have to be that example, Trey, right? Like you gotta, you gotta showcase what it looks like. And that doesn't mean that it's always going to be with ease, but when you establish all of these principles in your life, you have the foundation to build upon that so that you can do that. And that's something that I'm always like kind of reiterating to myself. So clearly these high fives, these principles 
are, you know, a great foundation for people to get started. When you think about somebody who's coming in, you know, you're talking about that brokenness, that anger, frustration, grief, as we just heard there with Charlene Alas. When you think about people that, you know, don't understand any of these principles, you know, how do they get connected and start to utilize these foundational tools for their benefit and for their health and well-being? Well, we start by just teaching you how to breathe and how to stand. Um, a very simple technique of, of standing in Wuji to breathe into your, through your nose, into your lower abdomen. Um, that breath, and we talked about it, I think one of our first segments is really the foundation to this practice and this work. Um, if you can breathe correctly, you can start to heal yourself. You can start to detox your blood and body. Um, we teach it on a regular basis. We'll be teaching it on Saturday. We'll be at a park near you on, on Saturday. Um, everyone is welcome. All levels of health are welcome. You can sit down and do this work. You can lay flat on your back and do this work. You can stand and jam with us if you want to and do this work. Um, and we're doing it for free in our communities, in the parks, in our, in our neighborhoods. We want people to come out and experience how easy it is to begin um, to heal yourself, to change your life force, to uplift it, and then to remove the impediments of your life. That's 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 internal, really, that's self-blocking, right? Um, and once you get on that path and begin to, to heal, you can start to find new techniques. But I, I recommend starting with some type of health and wellness movement, um, exercise, if, if it's yoga, if it's qigong, if it's tai chi, something along those lines to help support, you know, dietary choices, help um, alleviate stress in your life, um, help find a, a space just to begin to heal. Mm, so necessary. Of course, we got to give you a moment to make sure people know how to tap in because I know every third Saturday you're at Liberty Bank Building in the community room there, uh, at, right there on 24th and Union. But every other Saturday you're out at different parks. How can people tap in, figure out where you're at that Saturday so that they can get the healing they need or at least begin their journey? Sure, they can tap in and email me at heruchaiasamen, um, heru at heruchaiasamen.com. They can uh, call me, uh, 206-414-9173. Um, hit me up on Instagram, at herunefer, that's H-E-R-U-N-E-F-E-R. -E -E on Instagram, DM me there, follow me there. We post that information there. We're also on Meetup, so we're everywhere. You can find me anywhere. Just look for those names, those tags, and I'll pop up for you. All right. Thank you so much, Haru. These Haru Hill segments are so necessary for our community. I can't thank you enough for showing up every other Thursday right here for Haru Hills on the day with Trey. Thank you so much. It is always a pleasure. I love it here. Yay. Awesome. Well, you guys, I know we went over time, but it was clear that we needed to give time for both of our guests that were in studio today. And of course, y'all know I had to tap in with my girl, Jules. Thank you so much, Jules, for joining us right there out in the community. You stay on it and I love seeing you out there. It is so great to know that you stay plugged into the community out there in DC. Thank you so much again for joining me. And I got to send a huge shout out and thank you to Cesar Canizales for bringing us that final verdict in the inquest. You know, we told you guys we were staying, we would stay on it. You knew we would. And of course, again, to the Lyles family, we send you love. Lastly, I got to thank Haru Chayez, I'm in. Haru Hills in these segments are so important. And it's, you know, for me, it's something that I'm experiencing working in my life and providing me a benefit. So for many of you that ask me, man, what are you doing? Like, how do you do it all? I'm telling you, I wouldn't be able to do it all if I did not invoke these principles and this lifestyle into my daily practice. So I 
I just encourage you guys to find what it is you need to get that healing. As Aru said, check him out. You know, he's out here at parks every Saturday morning doing Qigong. He's doing uh, also if you guys have a group and you're like, hey, you know, maybe we want to book you for, you know, teaching us some Qigong. Hey, reach out to him. He's open to all of those kinds of opportunities. And of course, for me, Y'all know I want y'all to be inspired by everybody who comes on today. We see that all of our guests today are doing the work that they can in their way. And it's making us all better. So be inspired to see yourself as a part of the solution, you guys. Tomorrow, I got Pasqualina Tuggle. She's going to be joining me. We're going to be doing Fine Gang Friday. Oh, I can't wait to have her join. She's a personal trainer. She also has uh, an event coming up this weekend. So we're going to be diving into all of that tomorrow. Until tomorrow at 11 a.m., y'all. Converge Media produces culturally relevant content for Black and urban audiences. Our coverage is raw, transparent, and objective, praised by community leaders, government officials, and residents. Support Converge Media today via Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal at Converge Media.